Hello, and welcome to The Laddercast, where we teach you how to leverage your assets to change your life. I'm Sorsha Porter, and in 2016, I bought my first home, which completely changed the trajectory of my life. I turned that property into a business, a trip around the world, a new career, and quadrupled my household income. And now I'm a real estate agent licensed in Oregon and Washington. And I'm Shannon McAllister. After finishing college with a degree in finance, I was in a job I hated, but couldn't quit because I wasn't making enough money. I signed up for a class to learn about mortgages taught by a real estate investor. 17 years later, I'm a nationally licensed mortgage lender, homeowner, and investor myself. We aim to educate how getting on the property ladder by owning just one home can change lives. It changed ours. Hello, and welcome back to The Laddercast. We're excited to be here with you today to talk about... Tenants and the things that come with having tenants. Yes, we've spent a lot of time talking about how to make investments and how to make money with homes. And now we're going to talk about how to protect your investment. Yeah, there are there are things that happen when you have tenants or you rent space in your property or if you have rental properties, there are things you need to think about and it all comes with a certain amount of risk. And so here are a few examples of shit that can go wrong when you own rentals. Some of them have happened to me. Some of them have happened to people that I know, people that Sorsha knows, all real life stories. And we're here to help you prevent them from causing you financial distress. Yes, that's the point of the episode is we'll give you some fun examples of shit that has gone wrong, but we're going to give you tips and tricks on how to get ahead of it to make these things that are going to happen be less catastrophic to you. Because at the end of the day, there's no amount of money making that doesn't come with a certain amount of risk. Mm -hmm. And the the way you protect your investment and yourself is by planning for it. Mm -hmm. So first... Water leaks. Shannon knows all about water leaks. I do. I have firsthand recent experience with them. Please do tell us about what's going on with your duplex right now, Shan. Uh, Yeah, I have a duplex and it had a water leak. And I was reviewing the monthly bills one day and I was like, wow, that side's cost a lot of money and water this month. What's going on there? And so we've been talking with a plumber and patching it and babying it because really the work that needs to be done requires, would be best done if both the units were vacant because it's mm. going to require interior work. Also, we're gonna have to pull out some drywall and do some things. Generally not advisable when people are in the units living in there. So we were, the plan was to band-aid it and keep things under control until a point when both units were vacant, then we do a proper repipe. And then the pipe burst and the city called me and said, you're gushing water. Do you want us to do an emergency turnoff? And I said, yes, please. And so we ended up doing the repipe under emergency circumstances at a whole lot more money than we were intending to do it under non-emergency circumstances at the future date. So what did you learn about that scenario and what would you advise our listeners to do if you could go back knowing what you know now? I don't know that there's much I could have done differently um, other than go for the full repipe with tenants in place, which wasn't, wasn't the plan. Yeah. We would have had to have relocated those tenants during the construction inside of the units, which all of these things cost money. I have to rehome them, all of these things. It just wasn't the plan. And so really the only thing that could have happened was an emergency fix when the pipe actually broke. And so we fixed it. We took care of it. We had to find new lodging for one of the tenants on the side that this happened for a short while. And it all worked out in the end. And then 60 days later, the other side broke. No, you got to do the same uh, thing all over again. Don't really know yet. Waiting on that assessment. So, 
Well, the homework. things happen. I, but it, it does. And, and you plan, you, you have prudent reserves. And do you want to know how I got them? I would love to know how you got the prudent reserves. I cash flow on that property. Not a ton, but enough. I'm not just making my payment. And every month with the extra cash I make, it goes into an account to build that reserve pot, which it came in handy because exactly how much I had on that reserve pot was just about the exact amount of the last plumbing bill. So it came out equal. And now I'm working on rebuilding that pot. There you go. To and pay for the next water bill. I think within our first 10 episodes, we talked about assessing properties for cash flow. Mm-hmm. And this is part of why we recommend that you don't just, there are like different ways, right, to make money with real estate. Some people just buy houses so they can collect equity mm-hmm. and they don't mind if their tenant just covers the mortgage and expenses. But part of the reason Shannon and I are so big on like kind of being greedy about that and making sure that you have not just your cut, your expenses covered, but also cash flow on top of it is for this reason, because she wasn't, while she was caught off guard by the incident, she was not caught off guard financially. Yeah. And it depends on what part of the country you're in of whether both are doable or not equity and cash flow. And it depends on your strategy and your plan. What is the plan? My plan for this property was both. So great. Phew. You have to just, if you are going to take on an investment property of any sort, you have to be willing to do these things when they come up and they're going to come up. Yep. It's just, that's just how it works. And if you made a good financial plan up front, then you are still making money even when you lose it temporarily. Yeah. In 10 years time or however long I have this property, who knows, I'm going to never remember other than the story of the city calling me that I have a gushing water leak. We'll laugh about it at some point. Yeah. Um, Cause you're still making money. Yeah. It's fine. Yep. It's fine. But it is it's shit that happens. Yep. And sometimes it's not even shit that happens to your house. Sometimes your neighbors fuck it up for you. <laughs> Want to tell us about your Ooh, friend? We got a spicy episode this week. This is weekend. a pretty good one. This week. Uh, yes. Yeah, sometimes your neighbor's property catches fire and causes damage to the neighborhood, and your tenants have to be rehomed until safety assessments can be completed. Oh my gosh. Tell us about it. So Shannon has a friend who this happened to. Yeah, that exact same thing. Neighboring property went on fire, caught on fire, went on fire. And at first there was some confusion about whose property was on fire. Is everybody safe? All those things. And it wasn't hers. Thankfully it was the next door, but as fire damage was being assessed, did anything come into her property? People had to be rehomed until everything could be put back together and assumed safe. Yep. And for those of you who are listening in like maybe more rural areas or suburban areas where houses are quite far apart. Oh no, these were just next door houses. These are, uh, this, this may seem like a confusing thing to you though. It's like the concept that someone, some neighbor's house could cause damage to yours if it was on fire. That's what fire does. But that's what fire does is it cause, it can cause smoke damage. It can cause heat damage. Warped um, siding. Yeah. uh, Compromise the structure, all sorts of things. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be your house that catches fire. It just has to be close enough to affect it. So for those of you who live out in the middle of the country where you have no neighbors near you, this will probably not be a thing you have to worry about. For anyone who lives here where we live, yeah. it's a, not an uncommon circumstance in a big city. Nope. I actually have, I went on Facebook this week and I saw a friend of mine, his his property, his rental property caught fire this week. I, it happens. It happens. Yeah. That's two people I know directly. So it happens. Yeah. And that same person has a great, like, we know, we know this person who this happened to, and she has solid financial plan around her investment properties. But it was also highly stressful, highly, that period of time was very stressful and disconcerting. Yeah. And if you just think about how much worse it would be if you didn't financially prepare for it. So, you know, those are things that happen and insurance covers fire under the standard form policy. Okay. We'll talk about those things here at the end about what, what can you do to help mitigate these types of things. 
But we have a couple of other fun ones on the list of things that can go yeah. wrong. Um, Improper upgrades. Let's yeah. talk about that. Um, again, this is fairly preventable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, a friend of mine had, whether they did it, I can't really remember the details. I don't know if they did the upgrades and improvements or if they were there when they bought the property and then just added two over the years that were done without permits and not necessarily legally. They were to the benefit of the tenant until the tenant got angry and upset with the landlord. And then they reported them to the city. Mm-hmm. And then the city demanded that they fix them. And to fix those things required vacating the tenants. So now he has an empty rental, not collecting rent. He has to undo the upgrades and repairs that were done and redo them properly, all while trying to get permits and all those things that the city takes forever to do. And this is a circumstance that could have been permitted by either we don't we don't know exactly whether he made the upgrades or if they were there in place before he bought them. But these are things, particularly here in Portland, where we have Portland maps and so many resources that tell us what has and hasn't been permitted. If you're like, oh, my God, what if I buy a property and I don't know that something's permitted? Most cities keep those records. So you would pull the permit records. And that's something that I definitely recommend for anyone who's renting a space to a tenant is like, you just don't know when someone's going to decide to... Yeah, tenants got upset over yeah. over whatever and yeah. it all went downhill from there. And so it's just it's really to your it's really to your benefit to make sure when you're buying investment properties that you cross your T's and dot your I's on the permitting. Mm-hmm. And um and that you know what's been done in the property that you're buying. Yep. And, and that you things. financially plan for it. <laughs> um because I'm sure that that year of vacancy cost him dearly cuz honestly, in most rentals, it's the vacant time that costs you the most money. Well, yeah. Yeah. And it had, and the city demanded that it be vacant while these things were being done. And then the city slowed it down because permits and all those things. Yeah, it was so a, it was a double-edged sword Portland all the way around. A, Portland's a rough place if you have permitting problems. Yeah. Um, all right. There are other things that just happen, you know, pe- tenants don't pay rent or they pay it late. You know, if you don't have prudent reserves to pay that mortgage, if you're just depending every month entirely on a third party that you don't have control over yeah. to pay is you, you could get yourself in a pickle. Yeah. So prudent reserves and, you know, then or tenants try and break their lease early because, like I said, vacant time is the worst. So a lot of people don't realize that you can put a lease break clause in your your, um, lease. Yeah, penalties for breaking, things like that. Um, One thing that we don't have on this list is just general wear and tear and upkeep of your property. Pet damage, if you're allowing pets, just general wear and tear. I've replaced appliances, washing machines, just general wear and tear. I have, I am having somebody replace the planter boxes at a property because they fell apart and they need to be repaired. Just things. Yeah. And, and it's, there is no set rule as to how much you need to put aside, but I typically recommend for my clients that their properties cash flow at 10 to 20% and that they reserve like three to 5% of whatever they're cash flowing in order to have it for prudent repairs mm-hmm. or for prudent reserves. Yeah. So, and it's, it's just, and we've said it 500 times already in this short episode, it's planning and preparing, you know, you're going to have expenses come up. You need to be able to meet those expenses one way or another. And it's totally figure outable is the other thing is like, you, you don't, you can't predict the loss, but you can plan for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And plan, plan as best you can, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. Put it together. Yep. So, but there are some other things that you can do in addition to having cash somewhere. Cash is helpful, but there's some other things that you can do to help cover some of these things. Yes. Tell me about insurance and supplemental insurance. All right. When we buy a home, 
you have to have homeowner's insurance. Yep. And if that's your home that you're living in, or if you have a rental policy because you have tenants in that unit, you have insurance of some sort. Yep. You should. You should. <laughs> you should. And so on a standard homeowner's insurance policy, tell me what is covered. And uh, Shannon's asking me this because I used to be an insurance agent. Yep. I worked in insurance and sold it and did underwriting and claims for the first nine years of my professional life. Uh, but the standard coverage on everyone's on a regular insurance po- policy is damage caused by lightning, fire, hail, wind, snow, and water or rain. Okay. Um, outside of that, you have to get other insurance. And when we talk about those things being covered, the way that insurance looks at it is what was the root cause of the damage? They don't say, so like, for example, if you have one of these policies and there's an earthquake and your gas line blows and cause a fire. And that's what burns your house down. And that's down. what burns your house down. That is not covered unless you have earthquake because the earthquake was the root cause of the damage. All right. So your standard homeowner's insurance policy that does cover fire does not cover that scenario. It doesn't cover fire caused by earthquake. Now, your standard home insurance policy would cover, um, like if there was a torn, like a massive storm that ripped the roof, that ripped your roof, uh, here, at least here in Oregon. Some places they change that, but at least where we are, that would be covered. Damage to your roof caused by wind, that's covered. Okay. Because wind is a root cause. And if wind rips part of the roof off, the insurance company will step in and pay it. Okay. Um, but other things that aren't covered are like floods. So Mm -hmm. let's say there's a big storm and it causes a flash flood and that's what the flood is what causes damage. Even though technically water is covered, the flood is what caused the damage. So they decide, they, they decide that that is the root cause. They've separated them. Water is not the same as flood. Water is not the same as a water leak in your home that causes damage to your floor. That would be covered. Right. That's not a flood. Yes. I guess. I guess the nitpicker in me is like, well, tell me the definition of a flood. If I got water coming through my house, I think I'm flooding. You have to remember insurance <laughs> companies have to make money. Yeah. Otherwise they don't, they wouldn't exist. And their, their entire model is that you're going to pay for something that they hope never happens. And then when it does happen, they're going to try and not to pay for it. That is what a lot of insurance does. And it's, the benefit is they usually have to because they're bound by law to cover certain things. I mean, you have a contract and it's very clearly delineated what is and what isn't. Correct. But, but think, of, of, think of the root cause of those items. But a lot of people don't know this. They don't realize that like, oh, if my house catches fire because of an earthquake, it's not covered. So I just think it's really important for you to know that and be educated around it. But there are supplemental policies you can buy. You can buy earthquake coverage. Okay. You can buy flood coverage. Okay. Um, I learned that you can't buy, I couldn't, I tried to buy landslide coverage without also earthquake coverage. I only wanted the one. I was less concerned about an earthquake than I was excessive water causing my house to go down the hill. Because Shannon lives on a hill. Yeah. And I could not. They wanted both. Because they view earthquake or they view earth movement the same as they do earthquake. That, That makes sense. But at the time I was grumpy. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's frustrating. And, you know, because they make the policies, they kind of make the rules. So it's really good to know what these things do and don't protect you from. But there are really cool supplemental insurance policies that you can buy, um, such as a home warranty. Or for example, I don't think we talk about that one enough. A lot of, I, it, a lot of people, I think, met some people, not a lot, some people get home warranties, usually at the behest of their realtor, or if their realtor negotiates it into the purchase price of their home, 
But never again does anybody think about a home warranty down the road. Yeah. I think. I think. Yeah. And I it's think pretty cool. A lot of people don't realize you can buy a home warranty at any time. And what a home warranty is, is it's a supplemental insurance coverage with a lower deductible. So when you have one of these things happen, like let's say um, you have a $500 deductible on your regular insurance and you know something happens and and your refrigerator blows up. Yeah. That wouldn't really be covered under, it might not be covered under your insurance, but it would be covered on a home warranty. And instead of eating $500 or $1,000, whatever your your deductible is, they will, for $125 or $150 or whatever your home warranty coverage is, come out and repair it or replace the item. Mm-hmm. So Without a ding to your insurance, which will a, cause your premium to increase. Yes. So like, and And it will also make you less attractive to future insurers if you do claim things on your insurance. Which is like kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, why do I get this? And then it's a penalty for using it. But that's the way it works. Um, But that doesn't work. That's not how it works with home warranties. You can claim it. And it's pretty cool. A home warranty, you can get to cover, depending on what you're willing to pay for it, cover most everything in your house. Yeah, for 125 bucks a claim. So you, I, for, you know, like $1,000, I have like a $1,000 home warranty policy because I love home warranties. Um. And I have it covering my roof, structure, foundation, all of my main systems, and um, like all of the appliances in my house. And it's an annual cost? You can do it annual or monthly. I pay monthly. But the policies generally last for one year. So yes. $1,000 roughly for a year. Yes. Okay. So 100 bucks a month. And if something like your refrigerator blows up or your heater goes out, those can be covered under the policy. And I, I always recommend it for people who buy older homes with older systems, because when you have, when you buy a house where the like heater is maybe on its last limbs, it really sucks to have it go out in the middle of winter. And then you have to like rush to get it all fixed. I'm pretty certain over the years I have paid well more than on average a thousand dollars per year to the water heater man to keep my even new tankless hot water heater acting the way that it's supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like, (laughs) that could be a home warranty. Yeah, it could be for 125 bucks. Stan, the water heater man's getting it instead. They do a good job. We like Stan, the water heater man. They do a good job and they keep my water heater happy. They they do. Um, that is, that also is a good point that like maintenance of your systems is a really good measure to do. Probably at the top of the list. Yeah, uh, I Keep was, your things in working order and do maintenance and repairs as necessary to prevent blowups. Yeah. It's, I, I cannot stress enough how important it is that like once a year, your house gets a once over. I, we go every winter when we prep our house for winter, I make my husband crawl under the house <laughs> and look around and we go through all of the systems and we test everything. We check everything we have anything that needs servicing serviced, all of the, um, fire, fire alarms and things and carbon monoxide alarm, get a new, new battery present. And, and it's just like a checklist item that we do. Ideally you're doing these items, not in the season that they're about to occur. Like I just did my mother's house needs a roof. She has a cedar shake roof and some shingles are missing and rain is coming. And so I think, uh, all right, let's get the roof out. Well, course you ding dong at winter time rain is coming everybody's thinking these things these are things that i should have thought of in the spring when water is not an issue so do these things different and better than i do do them ahead of time before it becomes an emergency ish type situation 
Yeah. yeah. I think we should make a checklist, a seasonal checklist for our listeners. Can I be the first recipient of that? You because be I the first, promise you, you I can am be the behind first recipient, on all But I think that that would be a really valuable tool. Guys, we're going to make you a seasonal checklist. Can, um, as a mental note out loud, can we put on it the um, water drainage from your furnace? Oh, yeah. Last year, when we had very cold weather here in Portland last year, we had a freezing snap for the better part of two weeks. Yep. Both mine and my mother's... I, Drainage spout is not the right word, but the uh, evaporation pipe, whatever it is, at least water out of your furnace to keep it from building up water inside. Both of ours froze. And hers, my mother's, froze to the extent that her heater wouldn't come on for the better part of a week. Oh, no. And we had to bring her here because we couldn't get anybody because it was an emergency and everything was frozen. Everybody was busy and I couldn't get anybody to come out and thaw that darn pipe for a week. That sucks. So um, can we put that at the top of the list? Yeah, we can put that And also put that on the things of the... List of things that I should have done six months ago to have somebody insulate that, but I haven't done it yet. Well, you know, now that we're talking about it, you sure will. Uh, but I think that that would be a really good idea. Yeah. Right. I think we're going to make you guys a list. And uh, if you go to theladdercast.com in the next two weeks, you could find it on there. Oh, she put it on a deadline. I put it on Here a it deadline. Comes. I'm okay. going to make it this weekend. All right. All right. So we've gone through them. There's a lot of things that can happen when you own rental properties or you just choose to rent space in your house that you yep. live in. And you must... Be thinking about them and find ways to be as prepared as you can, because you know something is going to happen at some point. It is much easier to pay for extra insurance every month or do a preventative check quarterly than it is to eat the cost of not doing those things all at once. I am living testament to that. We we only do things around this house when they break. (laughs) I mean, I think that's just a lot of people's, that's how a lot of people operate. Uh And I'm not, this is not to say that this hasn't happened to me. I mean, last winter, I also had a plumbing issue where uh, my pipes, my, I forgot to, we forgot to cover one of our uh, valves on the exterior of our house and it froze and it backed up and it blew under the house. That's right. And it was a very expensive time (laughs) two days before Christmas and we had no water for Christmas because we had to leave the water turned off. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was, all right. These, these are all the things that can go wrong yeah, in your house when so, something freezes. So yeah, um, that would have been prevented by just putting a cover on that downspout, but I forgot that it was there. Okay. So well, you will never forget again. I will never forget again. It, it went on my checklist. I have a checklist <laughs> for my house and it went on my checklist. And it's soon to be on your checklist. Uh, and it's soon to be on the checklist we're going to give to you guys. So other types of it, things that you can get though, is like you can get supplemental insurance for mold and mildew coverage. Okay. Mold builds up so fast here in the Pacific Northwest People like think that it's from years of neglect, but it can like happen over a winter. Yeah. It's just... We have a lot of moisture. We have a lot of moisture and in old houses generally don't have a lot of ventilation because they were trying to keep the heat in mm-hmm. and not let it out. Um, backup of sewer and drain is another one, like your sewage line. Stop. I had no idea about that one. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like not expensive. It's like less than a hundred bucks a year to add it. And if your sewage line backs up and causes a big poop mess in your front yard... It'll be covered. If it's if you don't have it on there, it's not covered under the standard policy. Yeah. So, and then, of course, we talk about, everybody's always worried about liability when it comes to being a landlord. Mm-hmm. So, liability insurance. Make sure you have enough of it. If your tenant falls down the stairs and breaks their neck, like, make sure you got liability insurance. And you can get things called a personal liability umbrella, mm-hmm. also called a PLUP. Okay. And those are very inexpensive. They They give you, like... Usually they come in like one and two million dollar coverage amounts. It will require that you carry certain amount of 
liability insurance on your standard policy. So it might make your standard policy slightly more expensive. But I mean, to get a million dollars of coverage, that should that should cover that property and your liability for anything that can happen. Sure. And those things, these personal umbrellas and things, those might come a little later on when you get a little more advanced and you have a little extra cash that you're not just trying to sock away to fix the water heater. They're only like 25 bucks a month. Okay. Um, that's but, not terrible. No, it's not. But, but but yes, you can you can add them over time. There's yeah. nothing stopping you from being like, okay, I can afford this much with my expenses now. Mm-hmm. And next year when my tenants, when I can up the rent and my tenants move out, then you can add it back in. There you go. Yeah. Just build these things over time. We have plans for later on after the first of the year to have an interview with an insurance agent. He'll tell you a story about additional coverages for personal injury, a story that happened about his wife, things like this. Insurance is very important. And there are lots of different things to consider. And none of them you have, like, just like what you said, none of them you have to do immediately, but build up over time. As you grow your assets, as you grow up the property ladder and you're accumulating things, those are the things that need to grow with you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, in conclusion, plan ahead as best you can, as best you can make sure that your business plan includes how to protect yourself and your assets so that you're making money always, even if you have to lose it temporarily. And Shannon's plan is to get ahead of things before they break in our house with the checklist that Sorch is going to share. We're going to make a checklist. (laughs) So if you have interest in the checklist, go to theladdercast.com. If you have interest in working with Shannon, click the button that says work with Shannon, and it will take you to a website where you get to fill out a fun form and schedule a meeting with her. And if you want to work with me, you can click on work with Sorcha, and it will take you to my website where it will just take you to my phone number. There you go. And convenient. Yes. Follow us on Spotify or Apple podcast. Maybe share this with a friend. If you have a, a, a homeowner Slack channel at your work, maybe drop this in there, share the love, share the help. And if you have any questions, send us an email. We'll we, answer it. We will answer it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.